1: Stand by. The vacuum tubes are warming up. This is a special live broadcast right here on Georgia radio. Radio, radio. radio.
2: Radio. Well, good evening. You're listening to the Georgia Falcon Farm Life Show. I'm Matt Jolly filling in tonight for brother Wade Peebles, who is uh, is just, well, it's hard for him to talk right now. He, uh, he's got something going on with his throat, but uh, joining me now. Uh, is the ever delightful Miss Faye Stapleton Burnett, who uh, joins us from uh, one of her many locations throughout Georgia <laughs> tonight? We're, you're in Elberton tonight, isn't that right, Faye?
3: Yes, we're in our North Georgia quadrant tonight. Yes. I love in, it. I love we're it. We're in Elberton
2: County. Not not yes, down there on the farm, but that's all right. And you got Brock with you tonight.
3: I do. I have. Uh, I have as my special guest my honey. And my honey's going to talk about honey.
2: <laughs> well, I, I want to get into this, but but I want to I back up just a little bit because right before the show, Brock uh, and you and I, we were all talking about when to plant your garden because I, I want to go somewhere with this. And uh, a lot of folks, I think, know about this. But uh, for those who don't, uh, one of our sponsors of the show, Burson Feed and Seed, Mr. Burson passed away a couple of weeks back. And, you know, when an old man dies, a library burns. And That's right. he always said, I used to love going down to the feed store, which, by the way, is still open. You can still go and support and Feed and Seed. Uh, but it was a, one of those wonderful old 100-plus-year-old hardware store or seed stores, uh, and it's still around. You can go in there and have a Popsicle because it's unair conditioned There's a <laughs> gas heater in there, but uh, right on the square in downtown Carrollton, Georgia. But But he used to say, don't plant... Until after Easter, and what used to drive me nuts is my other neighbor who is uh, knows everything about everything and has been on our our old country road since they paved it. You know, he says, "Well, if you're going to get corn in, you got to get it in early." So we're in that gray window, Brock, uh, right now, where it's uh, it's pre Easter. It's nice, it's eighty something degrees down here in Warner Robins today, where I'm at, and uh, you just you know, are we are we in that zone? where the rookie says plant but the wise says wait is that where we're at i
1: I tell you matt if you're a gardener it's hard to resist not wanting to put the seed in the ground when the weather gets good for a little while i was down at the feed store the seed store in Meadow the other day and an old farmer walked in he's planting his corn right now
2: see that's you know that's the the risk you run, I guess.
1: But we, uh, w- our neighbor was the horticulturalist for the city of Atlanta. He retired. He was from the Netherlands and he always told me, Brock, don't plant until after Easter, because if you stunt a plants growth, it will never do as well. You, when you put it in the ground hmm. and grow it, let it keep growing uninterrupted. I, I remember Matt, I was so proud of the first potatoes that I grew. Uh, I I took them over and I showed it to our neighbor, who was uh, this uh, horticulturalist for the city of Atlanta. And I took him the biggest potatoes that I'd grown just to, you know, show him. And he looked at me and he said in his accent, Brock, there's a saying in the Netherlands. It's the dumbest farmers that grow the biggest potatoes.
2: (laughs) Great. (laughs) Well, especially those of us who like to garden in a septic tank field, yeah. as, as I as I stated in the last show. By the way, uh, I was getting ready to plant the new garden, and I, uh, I called the county up because we have not one but two septic tanks on our property. And would you believe it? I, I almost did it. I almost did it again because there's that leach field runs out, and I thought, golly. You know, I don't know what they were thinking. So I, I'm I'm going to just have to find another spot in the pasture to plant the garden. One
3: yeah. just is not enough, you
2: know. No, no, no. Well, you know, that's that's the brakes, I guess. You got the, the, anyway, yeah, it's an old, old farm and there's all kind of stuff going on out there. So let's talk honeybees because you are, a, a Brock and Faye, uh, you both have bees. Brock is the one who tends to them. But it, it, we're at that point, and the reason I bring up the garden is I really want to do a wildflower area uh, so we have some some stuff for the pollinators to work. And so I've been looking up these native uh, flowers that grow best and when to plant them. And so I'm going to plow an area uh, just for wildflowers in, in hopes of attracting some bees um, and then put out a, a couple of bee boxes this year. That's the thought.
1: Yeah, great, great.
2: So it's a good time to wait and then plant those <laughs> wildflowers and, uh, and I'll wait till after Easter.
1: Wait, if you can, but you know, you can do snow peas early and you can do potatoes. Now, there are a few things that you can plant right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Corn. I want to, I really want to grow popcorn, uh, this year. So I, uh, we're going to see how that works out. That glass yeah. gem popcorn, you know, that, <laughs> that'd be good. Not that a bee cares about that. And that's what we're talking about tonight, but, but nonetheless, so, um, that's why I was asking about that for those wildflowers. What what do you what are you looking for right now with bees? Uh, get back to square one here with these bees and where we're at season wise.
1: Well, bees are building up right now, and they're getting ready to swarm, which is their natural way of reproduction. When you see uh, bees hanging on a limb on a tree or on a shrub or on a fire hydrant, uh, they're looking for a place to go and start another colony
2: it's a lot and, like teenage boys in yeah, reality yeah. you know and we're yeah. just
1: about there yes but that's natural
2: <laughs> right well yeah. so that that's okay so it and are they aggressive at this time of year because i know a lot of folks that go out and they get their own wild bees and they uh, they, they tempt them with something and bring them into their hive
1: yes uh, you can use lemongrass oil to uh, that's uh, that attracts bees and you do that. You
2: These are a lot of your bees, I guess, you've, you've done this way. Is that right?
1: Yes. I, I actually caught about 15 swarms last year uh, using lemongrass oil and an old comb and an old beat-up box.
2: That, to me, is fascinating. So you're not one of these people who you're not buying bees online and having them shipped to your house. You just go out and attract them.
1: No, I, I did that before I realized I could catch my own and uh now that'll save you about 120 to 200 dollars catching your own bees.
2: And they're hardier, right? Because they're resistant they're Okay.
1: Well, they're feral bees. Well, unless uh unless you've got some commercial beekeepers nearby that have brought them down south and are taking them back north later, a lot of commercial beekeepers do that. Yeah. They bring them down south to build them up and then take them up north for the honey flow. I see.
2: Yeah. Huh.
3: May- might be interested on how brock got into beekeeping
1: well
2: let's talk about that brock go go right ahead
1: yeah i had a friend of mine in college that introduced me to beekeeping Uh, he put himself through school selling honey and he was selling it there at college and he met his wife selling honey and uh, my friend at college he was from florida and he became my mentor he taught me to remain calm and relaxed around bees and taught me to move slowly, and I still remember the first time that I climbed a ladder and shook the bees off of a branch into a collection box that I was holding. Uh, I, I was afraid and excited at the same time, but I did it, and I was so excited about that. Uh, catching a swarm of honeybees is an adrenaline rush, and it's, it's still an adrenaline rush today <laughs> because you never know what's going to happen but, but actually, uh, when bees are swarming like that on a branch or a shrub or a fire hydrant, they have gorged themselves with honey, and they can hardly bend their abdomens to sting you. And so that's, a, that's when these people will wear bees like uh, in the form of a beard and put them on their head and all that stuff. Uh, the, they, they are really pretty docile when they're swarming, and they really don't sting you unless they're protecting their hive or unless you are smashing them or or, uh, something else like that. But uh, the average beekeeper gets stung, I read this the other day, about 58 times a year, but I actually get stung a lot less than that. And uh, I think it all depends on how you handle the bees, the mood the bees are in, the weather, whether they're hungry or not. Uh, Bees will let you know how they feel if you will pay attention to them.
3: Uh, Matt, you were talking about maybe uh, planting wildflowers and getting some bee boxes. so uh, Brock can kind of maybe give you some information on how to get started and how much does it cost to get started?
2: Well, I don't even want to know how much it costs because I know it's like buying a bass <laughs> boat. you know the, the boat's the gateway drug to a bigger truck <laughs> and then right. to a, a garage to keep it in and the list right. just goes on and on and on, but but okay, <laughs> that'll be that'll be great. let's let's get into yeah. that, Brock. Okay. The numbers well, you've told Faye, is that right?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we don't, talk, we don't talk about that anymore, Matt. <laughs> let's let's, uh, let's just say nothing is as cheap as it used to be.
2: Right, right, especially but, honey, but go right ahead.
1: Yeah, but, but you know, it's not as expensive as uh, you might think. Uh, you can make your own hives, uh, some of your own equipment, but there are things you need to purchase, like a veil and gloves, a smoker, and a hive tool. Those aren't that expensive. And like, well, we were saying a minute ago, you can catch your own bees in a swarm trap. That'll save you a lot of money. But uh, bees will swarm into anything, you know, an old tire, a, a bucket. But if you uh, if you'll just buy a, a lot of people are making hives and equipment now, and you can buy them a lot cheaper. Uh, off of individuals go to a b club and there'll be people there that are selling equipment um, a lot of the b companies the man lake and the Dayton and company uh you can get a starter kit for about three hundred dollars that includes everything and that's a lot of money uh, you you can do your own for less than half of that if you're careful wow. and go go to a b club and uh, that's the best way to get started talk with uh, men and women, boys and girls that are doing it a lot. There are a lot more women keeping bees now than men. That's been a change over the years.
3: You know,
2: I noticed that, uh, at the, at the other, one of the bee clubs and bee meetings that I went to, uh, and there, there were a lot of ladies in there who, who were not only, uh, teaching the course, but, but really were in the leadership positions, even within the club. And you always kind of think of this as, uh, you know, a bunch of old guys gathered around the honey, uh, extractors Uh, but but that's just not the case today
1: right Uh, a lot of people are homesteading and uh, they've learned about uh, you you know honey is a superfood and it's in great demand and if you uh, if you produce local honey uh, you cannot make enough uh, because your neighbors are all going to want it when they find out that you have it so what do you what do
2: you uh, you need as you said the the hood uh, the smoker uh, the soup, I will just call it the soup, but then when it comes to the box, the bee boxes, the supers, and all this kind of stuff, uh, what, right. do you, what do you recommend you get started with?
1: Well, uh, you know, a, a beehive has a bottom, it has a top, it's got a nine-inch brood chamber, and a six-inch super where they store the honey, and uh, that's how you get started, and then it's got frames, and uh, you could make your own boxes. Uh, you could uh, – the, the difficult thing to do uh, is the frames that you put inside and the wax that you put inside of the frames. You'd probably want to purchase those things. But uh, you can get free catalogs mailed to you. Some of them have a calendar to tell you what you need to be doing in each particular month. But uh, you can spend as much or as little money, really, as you want to. But I, I'd say you're in it for at least $150 if you want to get started on the cheap.
2: Well, and that's great. And then you're going to be able to produce your own honey and a lot of it at that point.
3: It, Matt, you might be interested how much honey one hive will produce. If you're thinking like getting one hive or three hives, uh, how, much, how much honey can you expect
2: what do you think on that is it does it vary on on location or is it pretty across the board
1: no it it really does it varies a lot it varies mm. according to weather nectar flow the strength of the colony or, or the beehive the beehive a beehive and a colony are the same thing it took me a while i I thought of a colony as a lot of beehives, but when people refer to a bee colony, I think they're referring to hive just they're the same thing but uh it also depends on your management style you know there's just a lot of uh of variables if you don't bees can fill a super during a good honey flow in a week and wow. uh, that's about 30 pounds some of them can fill two supers in a good honey flow that's about 60 pounds of a small super but uh a single beehive can produce 30 to 100 pounds of honey in a season uh and by the way, you, sh- you should probably always start with two beehives rather than one, because for some reason they just seem to do better if you start with two. Plus, you can see the difference between each hive. They really do have different personalities, and some of them are harder workers than others. It's it's amazing. How close and- to a
2: water source? I was going to ask that because I know that's a big thing.
1: Well, if your neighbor has a swimming pool, that's where they're going to go.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: But, but uh They'll they'll fly a a couple of miles to get water, and uh, they do need water. And uh, they'll they if you've got a leak in your hose and you're watering your yard, I mean they'll go there and get it. But uh, they do need a good source of water. But they always seem to be able to find it, Matt.
3: And and Matt, you might be interested in how many bees are in a hive and, and how long they live. You know. Well, Is that's why I
2: was, yeah, that's why I was asking earlier, uh, Brock, uh, the ones that you catch, are they as prone to getting the, the mites and everything else that you read about that just decimates these hives?
1: Yes. You know, uh, they say, Matt, if you ask 10 different beekeepers the same question, you'll get 12 different answers, you know. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, All right.
1: But uh, that I think that if you catch wild swarms, feral bees, uh, they they have proven themselves to be survivors and i think they'll be healthier but now a lot of people will say well there aren't that many feral bees you're just catching someone else's bees but you know i, I don't know how you answer that question but uh bees are in trouble i mean they you've got all kinds of things to deal with now that you didn't have 20 30 years ago uh you got parasites and and moths, and beetles, and uh, pesticides, you've got all kind of things bees are facing, but in, in an average beehive, an average beehive, you'll have 20 to 60,000 bees, and uh, 60,000 of them will be like female worker bees, 800 will be male drones, and there'll be one queen.
2: Wow, 60,000 bees in one of those little tiny boxes
1: or, or more. It depends on how high you stack your brood chambers and how much the queen lays. It, it all varies, but, uh, all worker bees are female. They're all half sisters. Uh, a, a queen will mate with a dozen or more drones in the air and, uh, come back and, uh, uh, she'll lay for, she can lay up to two years or longer, uh, from that one, uh, seminal mating. Wow.
2: That's a lot of bees.
3: Yeah. Do we need to take a... Well, we're, I was
2: just going to say, why don't we take a quick break and uh, and come back and talk some more about this. By the way, you know what goes great with honey? And that is that is beef. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> beef goes great with anything. Let me tell you, MBC Beef. Uh, that's Meek's Brothers Cattle Company and uh, their website, mbcbeef.com. M-B, the letter B, com and you can go there uh, right right now in fact and order a whole bunch of that uh, meeks brothers cattle beef and uh, and get it delivered to your home i mean that's the best part it's also uh, well you can pick it up i should say but uh, meeks brothers cattle company mbc beef a proud sponsor of wade peebles georgia folk and farm life show we'll be right back after this
1: hi this is wade peoples from georgia folk and farm life radio i'm here to tell you about meek's brothers cattle company and you don't have to worry about supply chain issues or where your beef comes from do what i do and call Meeks brothers cattle company today you can get a whole half a quarter any amount of beef you want good quality beef back in pack last up to three years in your freezer it's grass-fed grain finished, made to order Visit Meeks Brothers Cattle Company on Facebook today and tell them Brother Wade sent
3: you. And that's Meeks Brothers Cattle Company.
0: Thank you
1: Georgia Radio, good company and great country. You
3: know, enjoying the country music.
2: And welcome back here to the Georgia Folk and Farm Life Show. Matt Jolly, <clears> hanging <throat> out here with you, and Faye and Brock. We're filling in for Brother Wade tonight. He's a little under the weather. Still, his voice, still, uh, it, it just hurts him to talk. But he's been to the doctor. And he's, you know, good Lord willing, he's going to get better, and uh, he'll be back on here in uh, just a, just a few days, hopefully. But in the meantime, Faye and Brock are here talking about bees. Uh, Where were we, Brock? We were talking about how many live in a hive and how many die uh, over the wintertime. Is this, uh, because you always hear these horror stories about, you know, beekeepers losing all their bees. What should we expect?
1: Well, uh, the average commercial beekeeper lost 39% of his hives last year. Wow. Uh, It's it's terrible. And uh, they're really you've heard of colony collapse disease there are a lot of sure. reasons to speculate as to what's going on this 5g that they're using for cell phones it's a lot more powerful than the earlier versions of that and some people say those waves affect uh the ability of uh, the bees to calculate going uh, mm. what they're doing uh, nobody that i know really knows but there's also what's called the 4p's in in the beekeeping Land there's parasites, pathogens, poor nutrition and pesticides. And we probably have the most control over the last two, poor nutrition and pesticides. Uh, you know, if you care about your bees, uh, be very careful what you put, what you put on your lawn, on your shrubs, on your flowers, your vegetables. One little granule. Uh, of a certain pesticide that a bee takes back to a hive will kill the entire hive. And the cumulative effect of chemicals on bees is, is very detrimental to the honeybee population. There there was a study done just recently where in uh, South Georgia where uh, they took wax from beehives and they found that the hives, the wax in the hives had 40 different pesticides that presented themselves. While in North Georgia... The wax only contained elements of four pesticides. So uh, pesticides are a problem, and and uh, you know we we, beekeepers need the world to wake up to the pesticides they're using and and the detriment that they are. Do you know bumblebees have disappeared in eight states in this Mm. nation completely? And uh,
2: now we have carpenter bees, you know, but I yeah we'll never get
1: rid of. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, but that's different though. I mean that's that's what I'm trying to I guess a carpenter bee is not necessarily a bumblebee.
1: No, that's right.
3: Well, and I think we've I'm not I, I'm not an authority, but you know, in recent years uh municipalities have been big about spraying for mosquitoes mosquitoes and even individuals like these people go around and they mosquito proof because they people don't want to get west nile virus or whatever the mosquitoes have but you know you're basically eliminating all the insects in your yard when you spray that stuff so i mean that you know it sounds good on the surface but then you got to think about what's the downside what's the unintended consequence to spraying you know it goes down the city streets with these big trucks just spraying everybody uh for mosquitoes i'm just pointing that out. Yeah,
2: we don't have that problem where we live.
1: Yeah, Matt, something else that just came into my mind, we had a speaker come to the bee club meeting uh, a few years ago, and he was talking about a commercial beekeeper that took his bees following the honey flow out west, and he got them about to the middle of the country, let the bees go, and they flew, I forget what crop it was, but they landed on the crop, turned around, and came right back to the truck, and they didn't understand why the honeybees didn't work Whatever it was that was growing. Long story short, do you know they discovered that honeybees will not work genetically modified vegetables like they will the uh, heirloom. Really, and I thought I, I thought that was profound. Huh? They know the difference.
2: Yeah, it makes you wonder what the you know what the the reasoning is. If it's uh, the taste, it must be something with the taste. I would assume, but they know I, the I difference. Could. Wow,
1: they apparently do. I thought that was profound.
2: All right, so where where would you keep bees? Uh, would you Would you prefer? I know they like a little shade. Uh, they don't do great in full sun if you can avoid it. Uh, where do you Where do you put them?
1: Well, where do you put the actually, hive? Actually, I think the the hive should probably be in full sun. Believe it or not. Okay. They they keep the average temperature in the beehive at ninety four degrees. And uh, if you put your bees in the shade, uh, the hive beetles will come to a beehive in the shade and infect your colony. And the bees need it warm to evaporate the nectar and produce, turn it into 84% sugar. So it becomes honey. They need the heat to get the humidity out of the honey and make it honey.
3: And you might so, be interested in how they keep it at a constant temperature. Yeah, how do
1: they do that, Brock? They they fan. You'll see bees fanning. They'll be lined up on the front of the beehive or mm. hanging out on the front uh, lip, they just flapping their wings and trying to air condition the inside of the hive.
2: Keep it keep it just the right uh, the right temperature there. And, and it's amazing that they know.
1: That's uh, the job of the younger bees. They all they have a. Uh, certain duties that they perform depending on how old they are. They live 28 days in the summer, and they live two or three months in the winter, and they have different activities depending on how old they are. There's a division of labor in the hive.
3: Also, the shape of the uh, comb,
1: did you have that? Oh, yeah, the, uh, the hexagonal shape. It's one of the strongest structures known to man is the shape of the honeycomb. Uh, they're, they're little architects wow. they're mathematicians they're intelligent that bees dance and the they have a, a figure eight dance they have a waggle dance they communicate and you can pull out a frame and watch them while they're doing it and they're communicating to the other bees in the hive where the nectar is what kind it is how much there is It's it is fascinating and one um, I... bee
2: lives 28 days in the summer that's they work
1: it. themselves to death, and they never really get to reap the uh, the harvest. They put it back for the next generation.
3: Matt, wow. there's some a famous painting. I didn't research this for tonight, and it just came to mind that I posted on my Facebook years ago. Uh, um, in in centuries past, they would tell they would have to tell the bees when their master, the beekeeper, had died. You remember that, Brock?
1: People would go in the old days. People would go and sit and watch hmm. their bees. They would talk to the bees, especially if there was a death in the family. They would go and tell the bees. Yes. There's wow. a,
3: a faint painting. I'll try to find it and pull it up, but it's just, it, it, it shows you the, the connection between man and these tiny little creatures, you know.
2: I think it's fascinating that it, I've never <laughs> heard that before, that they would go and tell, uh, tell the bees what, what was going on. <laughs>
3: you matt and i'll put it on facebook you yeah. can put it on Georgia radio if you want
2: to oh that's that's remarkable to me that, that that there's just that much of a connection well you know we're so dependent on them we don't, I don't think people realize just how dependent we are uh, but we'd be uh, dead in the water without them that's for sure so
1: well even even einstein said if something happens to the bees uh, humankind has four years to live
2: yeah tops
1: Yeah, because wow. the honeybees there are certain things Cucumbers, watermelons, cantaloupes, uh, only honeybees can pollinate those plants. Wasps can't do it. Butterflies can't do it. Only honeybees.
2: So if we we want to get started in this, we need a few things. We need to join a bee club. We need to find somewhere to put them, preferably away from neighbors or a yard that's full of Roundup or whatever you're going to put on it. Don't... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> right. i was gonna say don't sue but well, i think that's and, our. i think that that's already out of the barn right now so
3: yeah.
2: um anyhow yeah. um yeah whatever you're putting on it be careful
3: oh i'm sorry we have bees in elberton and in medder and the season's different Do you want to talk about that brock
1: well it's just about uh two and a half hours apart one's further south than the other and here in Elberton, we're about a month behind what's going on two hours south in Metter.
2: Wow. I, that, that to me, is is not surprising because of the weather difference. I mean, it's, what is it, about six or seven degrees cooler where you're at right now tonight yeah. in Elberton.
1: And that affects the bloom and the nectar flow. Yeah.
2: Well.
3: We were interested mm. that there's cotton honey. Have you ever heard of cotton no,
2: honey? No, I've never heard that.
1: Yeah, cotton honey. And uh, it's good. It crystallizes ter- uh, quickly, so you've got to eat it pretty quick. Uh, but tupelo honey—I believe it's tupelo honey—that even a diabetic can eat. Uh, it's like the queen of the honeys. But uh, there are so—honey is like wine. There are so many different flavors, and it all depends on what they're working, what kind of nectar they're, they bring back, right? right yeah and uh spring honey is so light and clear it's delicate and uh thin and the later it gets in the summer the darker and the stronger the honey becomes
2: i'll tell you living in the middle east for a while i, I just fell in love with that honey that they have over there that rich it's almost like caramel when it comes out i mean it's just yeah. incredible uh, yeah it comes off that that uh, that cedar tree over there but just an remarkable honey well I have not, I've not had cotton honey. I'm going to have to try that.
1: Yes. We'll save you some this year. Yeah. When you
2: <laughs> Is that what you have in Metter or is that up in, uh, in Elberton that you get that?
1: That's in Metter and they produce that, uh, late summer, late, late summer. We'll get the cotton.
2: Well, I got to try that. That'll be, uh, that'll be a lot of fun to try. Well, listen, I, I, I really appreciate you, uh, uh Doing this tonight. Wade just said he tried to call the studio number and, and didn't have any luck. Well, that's because we're on it, Wade. I'm sorry. My apologies.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, man, one interesting fact those little three ounce packages of honey that you get at Chick fil A or yeah, McDonald's, right. you know, they represent the entire life's work of 24 bees. So if you leave half of it on the table, 12 bees, lived their lives and did their work for nothing <laughs>
2: so use it all that they, they don't use be stingy a little
1: respect. yeah, yeah
2: right. I, that's a great 20 so 24 bees for one packet of honey
1: for one of those little uh third ounce three packs of honey wow. 0.3 yeah
2: well there you go we gotta we gotta you gotta use it all don't leave any to waste that's just remarkable well thanks for coming on tonight this was sure. a lot of fun on the georgia Falcon farm life show we're just filling in for brother wade he will be back you know, like I said, a little under the weather with his with his voice, but he'll be back. Uh, he's he's starting to sound more and more like uh, some grizzled old country singer now. <laughs> Y'all were just with him not too long ago, so we you know, were getting that yeah. grovelly voice.
3: Yeah. You know. Enjoyed you, Matt.
2: Well, thank sure. you, thank you both for everything, and uh, and we'll talk again real soon. Uh, in the interim, go order some Meeks Brothers Cattle Company beef. You'll be glad you did. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Georgia Folk and Farm Life shows. So long for now, everybody.
1: Georgia Radio. Good company and great country.